Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Guess what we're going to do today, church? Oh boy, we are going to wade into the shark-infested waters of politics. Yeah, I know, dude, this is going to be rough. Um, But we're going to get through it, and we're going to come through it together in Jesus' name. Can someone say amen? Uh, Why? Because we're not just a ministry, we are a... And that means we can remain in relationship even when we disagree. Another novel concept. Man, I am dropping bombs today, y'all. Like that right there is two for two. You can be friends with people you don't agree with. It's possible. It's possible. So today I am going to talk about politics. You know, that topic that so quickly turns toxic when you bring it up. Um, I know there are people already planning to do something else for Thanksgiving this year. I know. I get it. I've heard um, from many whom have uh, their families have disintegrated uh, over political issues. And uh, I hear those stories and I'm very sad uh, because I think that Jesus and God's word, the Bible, has some things to speak to us about how to remain in unity despite differences of opinions. So I also know that many of you have voted. I'm going to try my best to tackle the tough topic of voting today. I know many of you have. Thank you for doing that. Great job. Well done. Uh, Some of you may not be planning to. I hope to convince you to vote after this message. Uh, But so many, they've chosen their side, they've chosen their position, and they're very dedicated uh, to their positions. Have you guys noticed this thus far? So I'm going to give a couple of disclaimers before I start the message today. Uh, Number one, this is is the first disclaimer. Please vote. Okay? It's it's more of a request, not a disclaimer, but I needed to put it in there. Please vote. You know why? Because voting is a luxury. That's right. It really is, church family. I've been a missionary uh, for a number of years in other countries, Africa and India, and there are some countries that do not have the privilege that you have in getting to vote uh, for those who lead your nation. All right? So please vote. Does that sound good? Okay, turn to the person next to you and say, please vote. Please vote. It's a luxury. Okay, number two. And here's where I'm going to get into trouble, okay? Nothing I've said is controversial thus far, right? But this point right here is going to be controversial. You guys ready for this disclaimer? Okay, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I know, right? I know, I know. And and the reason why I'm not going to tell you who to vote for is because my goal today is to invest personal responsibility into your life and invest a desire to be greater dependent upon the Holy Spirit in all matters of your life, particularly the ones where there's just all kinds of drama. 
Right? Wouldn't it be easier if I was just like, hey, just vote like this? Yeah. <laughs> but some of you would leave if I did that, and others of you would slide into the DMs and curse me on your way out the door. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody here. The 9 a.m. probably. But, you know, probably the 9, but not the 11. Uh, number three, this is my third disclaimer. Uh, here it is. I am not going to tell you who I'm voting for. So uh, there's that. Why? Because of the second point. It doesn't matter. Honestly, I mean, it may in, in the context of relationship, but listen, my goal today is to not try to convince you to vote for any particular candidate. My goal today is to examine what the Word of God says about the responsibility and the opportunity that we have uh, to vote. So it's a tough topic, and I know that it's kind of dangerous to attempt to tackle it. So I do so today with the help of a few distant mentors. Some of these people I uh, don't know, one of which I do, uh, Dr. Tony Evans, um, excellent pastor, uh, Miles McPherson, McPherson uh, has written a book called The Third Option on um, just everything happening with the racial divide and reconciliation. I would recommend that to you, The Third Option. Uh, Dr. Jacob Wolf, uh, Princeton professor, um, doctor of uh, pol politics, American politics, and uh, Johnny Enlow. Um, author of a number of books, particularly quite a bit of information about the seven spheres of the seven mountains. If you've heard that, if you've heard of that uh, concept before, so that's that's the disclaimers and the information I'd like to give you here in the introduction to the message. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Here is the title of today's sermon: How Christians Should Vote. Are you ready for this? How many of you right now are scared? No, okay, a few of you are, but like most of you are not being honest. And it's okay, listen, I'll do my best, okay, give me grace. All right? You in? Kevin, you in? Okay, thank you. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we need your help. Let's, let's simply start by being dependent upon God. Lord, we need your help. And we want your help. And we want to invite you into our political opinions and perspectives. I know it's so easy to keep you out of our politics. It's so controversial. So it's so easy to keep you out of that position in our minds as we think about voting and politics and presidents and elections. But Lord, we invite you in full force today. We invite you to become the king of our hearts and our whole hearts, not just a piece of it, not just a section of it. Lord, the whole thing, which includes how we feel about politics and voting. So, Lord, we ask that you would bless the message today. God, I ask you to anoint me as, 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 a, as a pastor, as um, someone who loves you, as a son, to, to help me deliver what you would say to your people today. And so we humbly and completely dependent come before you and we say, help. Somebody say, help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so no need to open your Bibles unless you want to out of your app. I'm going to be reading quite a number of scriptures from the screen. And we're going to start with one um, to start. It is from Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. And this is where we are going to begin with the base um, identity, if you will, for our politics. And uh, chapter 3, verse 20 says this, but we are citizens of, right? 
so if you're going to describe your citizenship as a Christian, you cannot start with America. Okay? I can tell. We're already going deep. It's already very quiet in here. So everyone's like, oh my goodness, where's this dude going? Okay, listen. When we start with our citizenship as Christians, we must start with the kingdom of heaven. How many of you guys know that heaven is not a democracy? Like, when you get to heaven, there will be no ballot box on the 12-foot walls of Jasper. Like, you're not being asked as you walk in, and there's St. Peter, like, playing a harp. And you're like, I vote for Jesus. <laughs> How many of you guys are grateful you don't have to vote? That the Father God has installed Jesus upon the throne and proclaimed that he is king. Jesus is Lord. Instead of a declaration of independence, we as individuals have a declaration of dependence. <laughs> we are completely dependent upon our King, upon our Savior, and upon our Lord as citizens of a greater kingdom, which the Bible refers to as the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is King. You guys like that Kanye album? Not a plug for him as a candidate, by the way, but Jesus is king. Remember, that would be me violating my disclaimers. Jesus is king, right? So that means that Jesus is not running a democracy. Jesus is running a theocracy, meaning we do not vote on what God would like to do as a person and we do not get to vote on God's policies that he enacts in the kingdom of heaven. They are established, they are done with, they are dealt with and we as kingdom citizens have one invitation and that is to submit ourselves to and align with what God has to say through the Savior of the world, Christ Jesus. That's it. That's it. So for us, we are a part of a democracy as Americans, but in a greater way because we are uh, Christian peoples, right? Our spirits have been uh, redeemed. We've been bought with a price. Uh, we are a part of heaven, and heaven is a theocracy. Now, this does not mean that we as Christians should refuse to be involved in politics. And this is perhaps maybe one of the first controversial things that I'm going to say today. Uh, but for quite some time, I've been exposed to a philosophy that essentially says Christians should do all that is within their power to avoid politics completely. And I, I, I understand why people would present that perspective. But then on the other hand, why I disagree with that is because then... We're essentially agreeing with the idea that God could never call anybody to be a politician. Which is not true. There's no way that's true. Right? Because we see even in the Old Testament. Look at King David, for instance. There's nobody who has been a more successful statesman than the man after God's own heart, King David. And that wasn't because he was incredibly moral. Newsflash. Adultery and killed a guy. Right? And yet the book regards him as being a great statesman because he unified Israel. And he put God at the center of the nation's political 
ideologies. All right, that's, that's better than some of y'all saying amen, but I understand, I get it, I get it, I know, I know, I know, I know. Think of his son, Solomon, for instance, widely regarded as an incredible statesman, and then the dude had like 300 concubines, you know, I don't know how you reconcile that he was wise for that, because I feel like it's great wisdom for me to just have one wife. I couldn't handle five, much less 300. You know what I'm saying? Yet, wonderful politician, you know, uh, Solomon was. I do not understand the whole idea of that because God, I do believe that God wants to fill every sphere of society with the glory of Jesus Christ. And I do believe that that includes the sphere of politics, the sphere of government. Uh, do we not believe that God wants to crash in and encounter politicians and people in government and, you know, high courts? And, you know, I just think God wants to encounter everybody and he wants to co-labor with everybody and he wants to display his glory through everybody. And so I disagree with the notion these days. I, I didn't always, but I disagree with the notion these days that we should keep God out of our politics as political people. Now, that's... I'm also not leaning to the other extreme of like, you know, our politics can never include anybody who disagrees with us. Because once again, back to my first point, I don't think that's kingdom either. So um, I, I want to share with you just a few things about myself in regards to this message. I, um, prior to becoming a pastor, was actually considering becoming a politician, believe it or not. Um, and I know you guys are thinking, what in the world? No, we can't believe that. No, really, I, so at 24, I started an NGO. It's called Mercy 29, and the goal was to rescue children from human trafficking. Thank God we rescued over 400 kids from human, tra human trafficking in the nation of India. And in that process, I'd received quite a number of prophetic words about helping to write policy uh, for children enslaved. And so for me, I looked at politics as a means of making a difference, you know. And so I said, I'm going to be a politician. Like, I'm a missionary now, but, you know, I can still be a Christian and be in politics and I can do things that are good for the next generation. And I was actually sitting with a politician and he told me, if you were to do that, I think that would probably be one of the most ineffective uses of your life. And I was like, oh my, what? Dude, come on, you know. Um, but I took that as correction and as wisdom and decided to do what God was calling me to do, which was to pastor a church, okay? So for me, I, I'm, I was in that vein of thinking at one point in time, and then I vacillated way over to the other side, and I've avoided the conversation of politics entirely for a number of reasons. One is because of the general drama. That, that's one of the reasons. Number two is because of what I consider to be unhealthy nationalism. We, I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven before I am a citizen of the kingdom of, or, or, or the democracy of America, the Democratic Republic of America, better said, right? That's us. If you're a Christian, that's you, okay? And then the third thing is Romans 13 says, submit to the governing authorities, don't worship, not worship the governing authorities. And so for me, like I've just been mixed up a little bit. I'm just being honest, all right? I see some Christians, I'm like, man, Paul said submit, not worship. 
what's going on here, man? Like, it's very confusing. Like, I, can, I just, I don't know where I fit. I feel like this uh, political vagabond, you know? It's like, I'm too conservative for the liberals. I'm too liberal for the conservatives. Like, I don't know where I'm going to fit, you know? Um, and, it, and how many of you have been in that place? Some of you guys are not in that place. Some of you guys, I know where my camp is. I am conservative as long as the, the day is long. Is that how you said that order? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm liberal. This, you know, okay. Fine, that's cool. I'm not going to try to convince you to leave your position today and come to mine. What I'm going to convince, try to convince you to do today is uh, do your best to pursue what is God's. Okay? All right, that's it. Okay? So now to the question of how should a Christian vote. So how is it that we are supposed to think and act and vote as disciples of Jesus that are also American voters? It's just a question for you. Uh, I believe that this mindset has eluded us. And the reason I say that is because look at the division, not only in the culture, but also in the church. That would not lead me to believe, based upon the Bible that I read, that we've done a good job remaining kingdom citizens in the midst of our political participation. That would be my opinion. And I think that what we need here, church family, is a strong biblical worldview. That's what I think we need. I think we need a strong biblical worldview. And to be certain, a biblical worldview is a kingdom worldview. Everybody say a kingdom worldview. A kingdom worldview. So Dr. Jacob Wolf said, as Christians, we want our politics to align with our faith. However, if we do not actively make that choice, we'll align our faith with our politics. I thought that was a, a good statement by Dr. Jacob. So how does God want to be involved in governing a society? How does God want to be involved in governing our society? And if we have no idea, then how could we ever be a good voice or a good example to our culture? We need to know. And that, that's why I'm trying to tackle this tough topic today. Um, I believe that as the church goes, so the nation goes. I believe that. I believe that there is no one with a greater authority in the spiritual realm than spirit-filled Christian believers. You guys agree? Right? Um, Pastor Tony Evans said, God doesn't skip the church house to get to the White House. I mean, consider Abraham, right? You have Abraham. He is the father of our faith, right? In a very real sense, he's an Old Testament apostle. And God has given him governing authority over a territorial region in that he consults with him prior to making decisions on behalf of that region. I, I just I believe that as Christian peoples, as intercessors, as prayer warriors, I believe that God consults with us, speaks to us. What does the Bible say? That he doesn't do anything without first telling his prophets. Wow. Right? That's the way God works. So I just believe that God does start with the church. We also know judgment begins at the house of God. Right? The reason, I mean, can I make a big statement here? All right, don't throw anything at me. But I, I think the reason why we have such a problem with racial inequality in culture is because we have such a problem with racial inequality in the church. That's what I think. We haven't got it together in here. If we can get it together, it ain't going to be no problem in the culture. 
But we can't, we can't get the politics together in here. We're splitting churches, you know, over, over who's voting for who. Too much during the intro? So I, I want to try to tackle some of these questions today. And if you disagree with me, can I tell you? It's okay. You can disagree with me. It's fine. I, it, I, don't, even, I don't even mind. I actually kind of enjoy uh, when you disagree with me and stay at this church. You know why? Because then I'm like, oh, I can build on that person. Because <laughs> it's only a matter of time. <laughs> at some point, at some point, here's the deal. I'm going to wound you. I am going, as your pastor, I'm going to wound you. I am going to. And we like to think of shepherds in the Bible as like these nice, neat, oh, they're so gentle. No. No. Shepherds would pop the sheep. That's the rod, right? They would break their legs if they had a tendency to wander off. And that's, that's why we live stream from the great room. That's where everybody with the broken legs are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that made me think about that. You guys ever listen to that guy, Brian Regan? Is that his name? Hey, you ever hear that one about the femur ward? Can you? Yeah, that's it. You guys got to YouTube that afterward. All right, I'm going to post it on my, on my, uh, my YouTube. I'm going to post it on my Instagram after. You got to watch it. It's great. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's great. Have you ever listened to him before? He's great. He's great. So my goal is to present a biblical case on how Christians should vote. So if you disagree with me, it's absolutely okay. But if we were to sit down and have a coffee, here's what I would appreciate our disagreement, uh, the lens for that disagreement. The Bible. I actually have no interest, I really don't because I don't have time, in sitting with you and us arguing our perspectives. I have no interest. I actually don't have time. I, have, I really don't have interest in us sitting down and us arguing our opinions. I don't. But if we get into a conversation and the lens for the conversation is the Bible, I'm here for that. Like I'm here for that. Because I'm not just trying to convince you of my view, and I'm not just interested in jumping onto your side. I am interested in what does God have to say through the Scripture, and how can we better devote ourselves to God's book, right? So we have to pursue this, and this is called a biblical worldview. And when you have a biblical worldview, you can actually stay friends and stay in unity with people you disagree with. No matter how anybody else votes that you're friends with, you can continue to love them if you have a biblical worldview. And a biblical worldview, as I mentioned, it's a kingdom worldview. And God's kingdom priority is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. God's kingdom priority is this. It is a visible manifestation and demonstration of His rule in every area of life. All right, I'm going to say again. God's, okay, I'll say it like this. God's kingdom agenda, all right, is a demonstration and a manifestation of the lordship of Jesus in every area of life. That means Jesus wants to be Lord over everything, not just your Sunday morning. Can you guys get with me on that? Yeah. 
So here's God's kingdom agenda. Said another way. Here's God's, God's kingdom priority. Okay, here it is. Here it is. It's everything for one thing. His glory. And the expansion of the kingdom of Jesus. If you don't believe me, Matthew chapter 28, read the Great Commission. It's right there, right? So God's kingdom agenda is that everything is about one thing, glory of Jesus. Everything in life, everything, all of it, everything. It's all about one thing, glory of Jesus and advancing the kingdom of Jesus. Uh, whenever the Bible says that Christ redeemed all things, the Bible did not say Christ redeemed all people. He wasn't just coming for us. He was coming for systems and structures and spheres and everything about how we do human life. He's like, I'm coming to redeem everything. Wow. Right. I want to redeem you and also want to redeem how you do life. Wow. Right? So uh, to, to illustrate a kingdom worldview, let me give you um, the... The, the picture of a basketball game. Okay, I know it's football season right now, guys. I don't watch a ton of football, but go Titans. Let's go. I did watch overtime last week. Let's go, Derrick Henry. You know, he's been anointed with the cross, you know, just trucking people. So uh, I like that. But uh, I, I'm, you know, I played basketball growing up, and so I thought I would give you guys an illustration about what it looks like to have a biblical worldview from a basketball game. Does that work? So a basketball game. There are two teams with two goals, right? Therefore, there is a conflict. You got two teams, two goals. Therefore, therefore, there is conflict. And so to, uh, you know, point out what I'm doing here at this illustration, for instance, Democrats and the Republicans. Okay. There are two teams, two goals. Therefore, there is a conflict, but... There's also a third team. You might say that they are on the court, but not of the court. They are the officials, right? So for the sake of the illustration, this is the kingdom citizens, right? The officials are on the court, but they are obligated to a higher government. The NBA offices. Right. right? So Adam Silva, the NBA commissioner, has sent these delegates, you might call them ambassadors, to bring order to what otherwise would be a chaotic conflict. Note, the personal opinions of the officials don't actually matter. They may have a personal desire for one of the teams to win, to win but they must subjugate that desire to the higher order. They don't belong to the dualistic game. They actually wear another jersey which is why they are very distinguishable on the court. They wear the stripes, right? By his stripes, we are... Anyway. <laughs> right? You like that? You like that, Colton? Um, 
for, in order for the officials to do their job well, they are given a book. This illustration is deep. It's deep. Right? It is a rule book, in fact. And so every call that they make on the court must come from that rule book. Sometimes the officials are booed. You're terrible. You suck. We hate you. Sometimes the officials are cheered. Well done. Great call. Way to go. But the officials are not there to participate in a popularity contest. That's not why they are there. The officials are there to bring order. That's what they do. Now, a good official protects the players, but no matter what, must go by the book. No matter what, they got to go by the book. And so my job as a pastor is to love and protect you. But no matter what, I got to go by the book. Right. So if you were to come to me today and you said, man, I need some pastoral care. I don't know what's going on in my marriage. You know what I'm going to give you? The book. And then so here's what I'm going to do. Like, here is all of the scriptures about your circumstance and your situation. Here they are. Okay. Do you agree and will you obey with the prescript that's in the book? Now, you have a choice at that point. Right. You can say, no, I don't agree and I will not obey. And if you choose to do so, you are rejecting, obviously, this book. But that just means you've subscribed to a different book. You got a different rules of engagement. You have a different rule book for this particular area of your life. And that is where I would try my best today to encourage you to have a biblical worldview, a kingdom worldview, and to use the book that God has given us. If you were to ask me about your family, your marriage, your family, your kids, if you were to ask me about your business, your career, your calling, your purpose, no matter what the circumstance or situation, my response would be similar. I would give you the book. Y'all help me preach this 11 a.m. I would give you the book, right? I'd say, hey, here is God's prescript for your situation. Do you agree and will you obey? It's your choice. And you say, yes, I do agree. And yes, I will obey. And then I will lay hands on you. And then I will pray for a blessing from the Holy Ghost to help you obey and take action on God's prescript for your life. Now, we know that that works within the realm of family. We know that that works within the realm of marriage. We know that that works within the realm of purpose. And that also works within the realm of politics. Now, it is very difficult to get a whole lot of political understanding from the Bible. And I think there's a reason for that. I think there's a lot of kind of open-ended things in the Bible. And I think that's because God enjoys empowering us and speaking through us. And he's given us creativity and he's given us the ability to obey so that we can explore and create and and create and construct societies in accordance to the relationship we have with him. I mean, look how good God is to us, right? 
But there's still a lot to say in, in, in there about what it means to have a, a biblical worldview, to choose uh, a rule book. And so when it comes to government and when it comes to voting, our topic today, church, let me ask you a quick question. What book do you choose? Do you choose the Bible or do you choose your political posture? Let me ask you, do you choose the Bible or do you choose your own personal perspective? Do you choose the Bible or do you choose your personal history? And, and I understand that that last one is much harder, but let me tell you that the Bible is the only book that will always be enough. You can choose a different book and it, it, it's going to run out. At some point, it's going to have its limitations. At some point, it's going to falter. But by choosing God's book, and get this, God has only chosen one book and, ha and will always choose that book. So this is the one, that, that is the one uh, that he will never not choose. And lastly, church, uh, he chooses the whole book as well, not just the parts that you prefer. So an official cannot remove their jersey halfway through the game and then put on one of the team's jerseys. He could do that, but in order to do so, he would have to disavow his responsibility. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning. Listen, when you go to the polls, or you may have already gone, but when, when you go to the polls, uh, don't wear a Republican jersey and don't wear a Democrat jersey. Wear a kingdom jersey. All right. Now, you may vote Republican, you may vote Democrat, but you know how them soccer players are like score goal and they're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Underneath, whatever it is that you're voting, okay, just, there's a king that, at, like, in reality, you don't belong to a political party, you belong to a person. His name is Jesus. You belong to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, let me read you a definition from Dr. Tony Evans, Kingdom Voting. So Dr. Tony Evans said this about kingdom voting. Kingdom voting is the opportunity and responsibility of committed Christians to partner with God by expanding his rule in society through civil government. Kingdom voting is the opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. And responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. Of committed Christians to partner with God by expanding his rule in society through civil government. That's from Dr. Tony Evans. Now, why, why did Dr. Evans tell us that it is um, an opportunity? Uh, it's an opportunity because it's a privilege. Yeah. Voting for Christians is actually quite new within the context of history. In Romans chapter 13, we have the Apostle Paul encouraging us to submit ourselves to the governing leaders, and the leader he's referring to is Nero. Nero. I don't know if you've done any historical study on Nero, but he is a sadistic emperor that murdered Christians for sport. And so we today, church, have been privileged and are extremely blessed to live within a context in which we're not being murdered for our faith, but we actually have the opportunity to go and to voice our opinion and to give our vote for who we want to lead our country. That's a, that is a blessing. We should be, you know, we should utilize that, that, that privilege. Uh, secondly, you know, uh, Dr. Evans says responsibility. Well, responsibility, we are all called to co-labor with God. Do you agree? 
God wants to co-labor with you. All of us are called to partner with God. Uh, my bishop in Austin, Texas used to say, without God we cannot, and without us he will not. Right. I like that. So if healing, catch this, if healing is to flow to society through the government, we must include God's person and God's policies in government as He defines them, not as we prefer them. Should I say that again? If healing is to flow to society from the government, we must include God's person and God's policies in government as He defines them, not simply as we prefer them. If we are to experience God's presence in government, we must have more than a Christian concept or a Christian confession. We must have God's person and God's policies. Now, the further God is removed from a person, the less ordered and the more chaotic that person's life becomes. Would you agree? Right? The more God, the more God is removed from a business the less ordered and the more chaotic that business becomes. Can we all agree? The more God is removed from a family, the more chaotic and the less ordered that family becomes, right? Okay, so if, that, if that's the case, the closer God is to a family, right, the less chaotic and the more ordered that family becomes, right? The closer God comes to a business, right, the more ordered and the less chaotic that business is. Same with, same with government. The, the more God moves closer to any particular civil government, the more ordered and the less chaotic that government becomes. Psalm 22 verse 28 says this, For dominion belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. Psalm 33 and 12 says this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, right? So it's possible for God to be brought near. Right? Whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Another Psalm 103 and 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. That means that God is a king and God is running his kingdom and God's kingdom, catch this, involves nations. God is a king who's running his kingdom and his kingdom involves nations. So, as somebody wearing a kingdom jersey, that involves the influence of your vote. That's why Dr. Evans says that this is a great responsibility. That's why Dr. Evans says it's a great opportunity. It's because God wants to co-labor with you in everything you do, which would include your opportunity to vote. How many of you guys are going to leave God in the car when you go to the polls? I know. I, I, I mentioned this in the first service and nobody said a word. You could hear crickets. It's because we literally have subscribed to this philosophy that we must leave God out of politics entirely. But if God wants to co-labor with us, if God wants to work with us, if God wants to work through this, through us, why wouldn't we bring the Holy Spirit with us into the polling place and say, okay, God, look, I, there's a lot of stuff going on, but here's what I know that you know, help me. Why can't we be dependent upon the Holy Spirit when we vote? Why we got to be only dependent upon social media? 
Right? Well, I read on Instagram, man. <laughs> you know, who knows where that came from? Russia. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just, that was only a joke, okay? I'm just joking. <clears throat> it was, seriously, it was only a joke. Um, but have y'all seen Social Dilemma? I mean, dang, dude. Nobody? It's on Netflix? I, I mean, it's crazy. I watched it the other day, and like, social, it, it shows you how social media can feel like an echo chamber for your particular perspectives. Because everything on the algorithm is meant to reinforce what you already think, so you'll spend more time on the app. Right? So that's why, that's why you're like, this is the point right here. And, the, and they're just feeding you like that. And that's why when you read stuff from the other side, like, I don't know how anybody could believe that and be a Christian. You see what I'm saying? Division. I, hey, you know, uh, Lucifer, right? The devil. You know what the word devil in Greek is? Diablos, which means the divider. Yeah, the whole goal. Satan's goal is to get you to divide, to separate, to get off in isolation so that he can get you from the herd when you're by yourself. So when things feel like, ah, I hate that other side, that's, that's warfare, that's demonic. I hate that other person. I, Donald Trump is a demon. Joe Biden is a demon. Man, they, last I checked, they were an image bearer. <laughs> Man, I, I, I'm deeper in the shark-infested waters now. Um, but what does Daniel 2 and 21 says? It says he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. Right? So God doesn't actually vote for anybody. He just either removes them or installs them. He's, he, there's no like, there's no polling option for the angels in heaven. Just wanted to see who you guys think. Now he decides, right? The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Right? So you guys are familiar with the concept of kings and priests. We've talked about that before here. So we call them presidents today. The Bible calls them kings, right? So in a very real sense, we're voting uh, for kings. But God clearly says that it is him that is running the show. So you can, you can attempt to exclude God from government if you would like, but that would be, in my opinion, when looking through the lens of Scripture, detrimental detrimental for you and detrimental for our society. And so we should be looking to seek God, uh, to seek God and to invite God into the polling place with us. That's, that's what I feel. When you read through the scripture, I, I genuinely feel that God wants to co-labor with his people. And so as Christians, we're not seeking to exclude God from our voting. We're seeking to include God. So, um, we, we, we bring them into the booth with us. Uh, and I understand that we all want our choice to win. That's why we vote, right? We want our guy to win or our girl to win or whatever the reason or you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, like I want to win. That's why you're voting who you vote for. But at the end of the day, listen, this is a really important point of the message. At the end of the day, you're not voting for, you're not simply voting for a president. 
Okay, here's what you're voting for. You have received an opportunity to partner with God for His kingdom priorities. Should I say that again? So, at the end of the day, like, you're not simply voting for a president. Yes, I know someone's going to occupy the office. That's why it's called an office, not a person. Right? So, it's like, hey, I'm voting here, right? I am voting uh, simply for, but in a bigger way, what I'm being invited into is an opportunity to choose God's kingdom priority, which is what? Everything's really about one thing, which is the glory of Jesus and what? The expansion of his kingdom. So when we go into the polling place, here's what we're asking the Holy Spirit. God, help me make a choice that would bring you glory and would expand your kingdom. Does that work for you guys? It's just kind of tossing. It's like a little, little underhanded pitch. I didn't know how it was going to go over. So when you go... When you go into the polling place, here's what you're, you're saying. Holy Spirit, help me to make a choice that would bring Jesus glory and expand Jesus' kingdom. That, that's, that's what I feel like biblical worldview would say about our opportunity to co-labor with God in our voting. So as Christians, here's what we're voting for. We're voting for God's glory and the expansion of his kingdom. Primarily, that's what you're voting for. Long before you're voting for a president, you are voting for, for, God's, for, for God's glory and the expansion of his kingdom. Now, with that all being said, and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping it up here, let me read to you a passage of scripture from Joshua chapter 5, because I think you'll really enjoy this. When Joshua was by Jericho, now who is Joshua? This is God's man, all right? So this is, this is God's chosen dude. This dude is living by the book. Right? So, I mean, maybe for the sake of this illustration, you might even call him a Republican because he's very staunch. He's very conservative. He's very, you know, like, I'm living by the book. Right? You can do that if you'd like. Um, and he was by Jericho. Jericho, how many of you guys remember the Sunday school lesson, the walls of Jericho? Right? He, he marches around seven times the walls of Jericho fall. Right? Okay, these guys were different. They didn't have the same theology. They didn't have the same belief system. They had a completely different way of life, right? For the sake of the illustration, if you want, we could call them, you know, liberal people or Democrats or whatever, or you could flip-flop them. It really doesn't matter, all right? Just know that. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing with his drawn sword in his hand. So what did Joshua know? This dude is prepared for battle. My guy right here is playing no games. Big man, big warrior, you know, he's got a sword drawn, right? Ready to go to war. And Joshua went to him and he said this. He said, are you for us or for our adversaries? Isn't that the question of voting? God, who are you for? You for us? Or are you for my adversaries? God, who are you for? Are you for the Republicans or are you for the Democrats? God, who are you for? Are you for the conservatives or are you for the liberals? God, who are you for? And then here's what he says. And he said, no. <laughs> but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Next slide. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, see, I want you guys to note the appropriate biblical response as you are wondering what side God is on. It is to fall on the ground, on your face, in humility, and worship and pray 
And then he said, okay, well, what is, what, what, what should I do? What do you, what do you want to say to your servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. I believe that there is a holiness about humility and I believe that there is a pride and an arrogance about Joshua's previous position which is an us versus them mentality I'm right they're wrong I'm good they're bad I'm holy they're demonic right that's why he said oh man take off your shoes this see this this is holy humbleness right here you you've entered into a position of being holy you've entered into a position of dependency you've entered into a position of prayer you've entered into a position of worship you've entered into a position saying, God I don't know what to do but I know that you do and so what would you have me do God says that place right there that's a holy place that other place where you were before like man I'm about to take these dudes out because they are obviously not on the side of God Right, take your sandals from off your feet. The place where you are standing is holy. And so it says, and Joshua did so. It means he obeyed, right? He obeyed. This is a theophany. This is when there is a human being encountering God and Joshua being promised victory, uh, being told that he would win. Obvi it's, it's, it's obvious, leading the army of Israel. And yet he still had to partner with God. He still had to co-labor with God in order to get a supernatural prescription to have a victory in the natural. He still needed to know what God had to say in order to do what God had called him to do, which is where he came up with that weird strategy to march around seven times and blow shofars. You know? God does, gives great breakthroughs through weird strategies. Right? Uh, so Joshua said, are you with us or with our adversaries? Is this not the question of voting? Joshua is essentially saying to God, whose side are you on? I want to know whose side are you on? My framework is us versus them. And I want to know, is it us or is it them? Ooh, and then here's what God says. No. <laughs> right. He, ha he literally has the wrong framework because what God is saying is, I'm not on your program. I'm not on your program. I'm on my own program. I, I am on my own program. I, I know you got this thing going on down here, this battle. I reign supreme in a kingdom. I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the one we came here for. Right? Um, that's it. So God says, no, I'm not on your program. I'm on my own program. I'm not on your side, but here's what I am doing. I'm inviting you onto my side. I'm not on your side, but I'm inviting you onto my side. I'm not, I'm not a part of your political party, but I am inviting you to join my political party. It's called the Kingdom Party. It's called the Kingdom Party. And, and I, I believe, I believe and, uh, that, that any Christian voter ought to be a Kingdom Independent. Now that doesn't mean that you can't vote Republican and it doesn't mean that you cannot vote Democrat but just be a Republican light and just be a Democrat light. When you... Stripes. I'm voting this way. This is how I feel led to vote. This is what I, this is how I, I'm voting in a way I think, I, I believe, I feel. I've worshipped. I've prayed. I've fasted if I need it. I've hit my knees. I've hit my face. I've, I've said, God, I, I, I want to bring Jesus' glory. Help me. 
It's an important opportunity here. It's an important invitation, important responsibility I have as a citizen. I want to advance your kingdom. Help me. Help me. So if you're a Christian, you belong to King Jesus first. There's no political party that has a perfect overlap with Christianity. There's none. You're not going to find it in any political party. A perfect overlap with Christianity. You're not going to find it. You're not. Some, some, some you know, there are going to be better policies. There's going to be better plans. There's, you know, sure, there is. There's, that, that's how you can decide. Like, hey, this is who I'm going to vote for. But no party. And nobody has a holistic policies in place well enough to produce some sort of heavenly utopia. Only the kingdom of God can bring that. Which is why we are dependent upon Him and why we belong to Him. And the God of the Bible, church, votes for Himself. He votes for Himself. He's not. He's not voting me in. I'm a theocracy. So I'm, I'm on the throne. I voted for myself. I'm not on your program. You want to get on my program? You can do that. So, you know, Joshua gave us the appropriate biblical response. I'm going to give you guys two points here to just finish. You can write them down. It's how I'll summarize the message of how should a Christian vote. Um, but Joshua's response is the biblical response that we're looking for. He humbled himself. He became dependent on the Holy Spirit. He put his face to the dirt and he prayed and he sought God. So here's the two points. How should a Christian vote? Number one is this. Pray. All right? Humble yourself and ask God how you ought to cast your vote. It's just simple. Just pray and humble yourself. I'm not telling you what God's going to say to you. I'm telling you to take personal responsibility for the privilege that you have to be a part of this process and go seek God Say, God, how, how, I'm praying, I'm worshiping, I'm dependent. How do you want me to cast my vote? Yes. Secondly, don't simply vote for a person. Vote for God's priority, which is the glory of Jesus and the expansion of the kingdom of Jesus. The glory of Jesus and the expansion of the kingdom of Jesus. That's it. Vote God's priority. Those are the two points. So, should we finish with a story? Yeah. yeah after all the uh, intensity of that. Okay, so I read this story this week. Um, I should finish with like a joke. I don't have a joke, but this story is good. Um, I, I read the story this week. Um, an umpire of the uh, major, major League Baseball named Bill Clem. You ever heard of this guy before? Bill Clem? Uh, umpire. He, he actually was the umpire. So he's an official, right? He's part of that third, third team on the field, not of the field kind of deal, you know. So uh, Bill Clem, he actually was the umpire for 18 World Series. He's the, mo- he's the most infamous umpire. He's actually the one who started the whole, like, strike. No way. Yeah, he did. He did. I, I don't know if he did. No, I'm just kidding. He did. <laughs> no, he did. He really did. You know, I always wanted to do that, by the way. You know, it just seemed cool. <laughs> Actually, I always wanted people to strike out. Don't bring your out of there. Yeah. Throwing up dirt on their cleats, you know. Um, no, um, so Bill Clem, anyways, 
So Bill Clem, he's this umpire, right? And there's a story about Bill Clem where um, it's the bottom of the ninth, right? Team um, that is batting is down by one run and boom, they get a hit. And then the runner is, is rounding third base and then it's very obvious there's going to be this big play at the plate. You know, the ball comes in, catcher grabs it, goes to tag the guy, dude slides in and then whew, kicks up this big dust cloud. So nobody can see, did the runner hit home plate or did the catcher tag him out? And, you know, Bill's trying to figure out, you know, how he's looking around. And so he doesn't make the call right away. And both teams rush out of the dugout. And, uh, you know, as one team's going, he's out, he's out, get him out of here, he's gone. And then the other team's like, he's safe, he's obviously safe, we win the game, he's safe, you know. And so after a few minutes, and they're arguing, they're screaming at each other. No, you know, you saw that. Uh, umpire Bill goes, shut up! <laughs> shut up! And here, here's what Bill said. It ain't nothing till I call it. So in the midst of all this, you know, the two sides, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, everybody cleared the dugouts. Hey, you're out of here. Get him out of here. He's saving you. I, I feel like the Lord's like, shut up. Because yeah. <laughs> it ain't nothing till I call it. Let's stand. We're going to pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being a part of uh, just this process, God. You know, it's, it's something that our, our, our culture, it's something our, our country cares very much about, as we should. And um, it's our privilege here to be, uh, to be a light in the midst of this. Lord, what would it look like if we were just, just an, an, an incredible, illuminative uh, light uh, in the midst of so much chaos and disruption and, and people taking sides and arguing and breaking relationship and families breaking up. Lord, what if we could be those people that despite how any of our friends vote, we would remain in relationship with them because we are kingdom citizens, not simply citizens that belong to a particular political party. Lord, help us be humble. Help us be dependent. Help us be like Joshua, Lord, to get on the program of God. To get on the program of God, Lord. We abandon uh, just our invitation to you to say, uh, bless what I'm doing, bless what I'm doing, bless what I'm doing, be involved in what I'm doing, be involved. No, we want to get involved in what you're doing because it's already blessed. Yeah. Yes. So Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? How are you speaking? How how you want to move through us in this process, Lord? Because we want to be submissive and we want to be on your program. And that's it. That's all there is to it. We're kingdom citizens. This is our proclamation today. We bless you, Father, and we thank you for giving us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And uh, when it's all said and done, you know, for some of us in here, our team is going to lose. And for some of us in here, our team is going to win. And at the end of the day, Lord, we choose Jesus and we choose a greater reality, which is that God sits on the throne and that he rules over the nations. And so right now, in advance, any anxiety or depression or any fear or anything that might try to come up after this election, um, we say no. We put our confidence in Jesus and Jesus only in your name, Jesus, amen and amen. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.